Hey, welcome to another episode of the Delayed Gratification Podcast, where we talk about building wealth over time, where we have some amazing guests that gives us the steps, that give us the inspiration, that tell us their story about building wealth using delayed gratification. And today, it's no other. I'm excited, y'all. Listen, Chantel Owens, the queen of tax lien, the tax lien queen, one of the wealthiest people in the world. She's here to talk to us about tax lien and tax deeds and how you build wealth by buying these properties pennies on the dollar. So again, welcome, Chantel. Thank you, Ramon. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks Are you? for having me. I'm always excited to be with you. <laughs> well, listen, I'm excited for you being here. Um, I know that this is a topic that a lot of people think they know about, but they really don't know about it the way you teach us, the way you've built wealth with it. So let's start off. Tell us who you are, where you're from, a little bit about how we got here, how we got started. All right. Well, I'm Chantel Owens. Um, most people call me Sunshine. <laughs> I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, been in Atlanta for 30 years. I'm a mother, a daughter, a friend. You know, I'm a regular, everyday person. Um, grew up poor and mm. was really able to use real estate as a vehicle to create financial wealth, independence, and really generational wealth for my daughter. I love it. So you say you grew up. How did you know you were poor? Ah, because I went to school with rich people. Oh. So that's how I knew. So, you know, when I spent the night over my friend's house, they had cable, you know, <laughs> they had <laughs> a, a full-size bed, you know, old, their old bedroom, yeah. you know, mom yeah. at home cooking, you know, those type of things. You knew it was a difference. Definitely. Early on. So what from then, from a kid to now, what did you do? Like, how did you get to where we are now? Because you are, and I always, like, no joke, I tell people, I say, Chantel makes $8,342,000 a month and 18 cents. Why you be passively. telling people my business? I mean, just because people need to know. You know what I mean? So how did you get from being poor to making that amount of money passively every single month? Well, I believe I never really was poor in mindset. Yes. You know, my family, even though we didn't have the money, we never um, lived with a poor mentality. Mm -hmm. Or um, And then being around wealthy people really kind of helped set that mindset, like that it was obtainable, you know. And um, early on, I had a, um example of the lifestyle that real estate could bring my cousin Stephanie Lee who was probably about nine years older than me invested in um, Carlton Sheets mm. and I got to experience that with her watch her go around collect rent from other people so that was kind of implanted in my mind early on is she still in she is, is she? yes okay. in uh -huh. Milwaukee yes wow yes and still very profitable as well so so Fast forward, you hung out with Cuz, so you got some exposure to real estate. But what's next? Like, you still, you've been in Atlanta 30 years, so you came to Atlanta already doing real estate? No. Um, the, the seed was planted, but no, I came to um, Atlanta through the military. Then I went to college here, worked jobs, and really realized, like, this life is not for me. You know, people telling me what to do, what I could wear, you know, what kind of house I could live in, what kind of car I could drive, when I could take off. So I knew I had to find something that was going to give me freedom because more than money, freedom was important to me. Did the military help you at all? Like with where you are now, <coughs> do you think anything that you learned? 
Definitely. When I was younger, I would have said no, but hindsight is everything. Definitely with discipline, being mm. able to stick with something, you know, even when you don't see um, the returns that you want, even when it's hard work, you know, when you feel like you can't go on, you know, if I could do that for the military, for our country, then I should be able to do that for my family as well. So you left the military and then came to Atlanta? No, I got out of the military while I was in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. And then you went to college. Yes. So how did college? <clears throat> college further let me know. Because <laughs> while I was in college, I was around people who were making a lot of money. And I knew that once I finished college, what I was going to go into, which was computer science, mm -hmm wasn't going to allow me to make the kind of money that they were making. So I was like, eh, I need to get a business. It still wasn't necessarily real estate, you know, because I was so far from yes. my cousin by that time. You know, when you're younger, you skip from one thing to the next. So I just thought, okay, definitely business. So not necessarily uh, real estate. Mm -hmm. so it wasn't until I had a um, co-worker of mine who uh, told me that they would they asked me could they use my credit mm. and that they would pay me $8,000 to use it. For what? Just to, to use my credit to buy a house. And then they were going to turn around and sell that property and the house would be out of my name. So, so, so you were working a regular job and somebody approached you and said, hey, listen, you got great credit, but they're going to pay you $8,000 per deal. Yes. Or one that deal. <clears throat> well, it was just that one deal okay. at the time. Okay. Yeah. How so, did that work out? It worked out very well. Okay. And up until that point, I had never had like $8,000 in my hand at one time. Wow. So that was like, can I do this again? <laughs> so I did that over a few times. And like after my fifth time, I was making more doing that than I was on my job in a short period of time. How long did it take you to do those eight deals? Like, what do you think? It it had to be within six to eight months. Wow, y'all were rolling. Yes. Okay. You know, they was using me up. Like, I had, like, almost 800 credit scores. So, they were, like, Did you know how great your credit was? Did you know the importance of credit at that time? Yeah, okay. I did. But I, I wasn't a person. So, I had a house. I had a car, a couple credit cards. So, I didn't really see myself using credit for anything mm -hmm. else. Like, okay. I didn't know the things that you could do with credit. I just thought... Hey, these are the basic things. I'm good, you know. So I was willing to risk it because I had everything I wanted at the time anyway. So we just finished deal eight. You made forty, fifty thousand dollars passively sitting at your desk at work. You're good. You got an extra forty, fifty put up or whatever you're doing with it. Then what happened next? So now I'm looking at now I'm starting to after I do a couple deals, I'm looking at the paperwork, I'm starting to understand. And now I'm like, hey. Y'all made way more than this $8,000. That's all y'all paying me? Uh, I need to learn how to do this myself so mm -hmm. I can be on the other side of the table. You know, yes. getting them eight and, you know, the hundred. whatever it might be. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I just started to delve into real estate, and uh, which was a long battle, you know, a long road to, you know, get to where I finally ended up to be. Because I, I ended up starting off with subject two. Okay. Uh, just because, you know, I didn't really understand the steps that they had taken. You know, I didn't know that I could go to an investment 
um, you know, that there were investment lenders. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to go through to a regular bank and they're like, no, you already that. got these properties in your name. You know, so I started out with subject to right. basically with Carlton Sheets. So I started, I said, well, let me take the same role that my cousin took. And that's how I ended up. Um, getting into real estate, subject to, then I went to wholesaling, then I went to fix and flip, and that's where I landed when, you know, the market crashed, and then I got into tax liens, you know. So you went through this progress of subject to wholesaling, fixed and flipping, then you had some rentals. Yes. How many rentals did you have, and, like, what made you get into the rental business? Um. So while I was fixing and flipping, I, you know, really – I've always invested in my education. Mm-hmm. And so during that time I had taken a course and the guy was like, you know, you really need to start looking at uh, rentals, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, oof. And, <laughs> you know, he was like, no, this is how you're going to retire. And I knew that again, freedom was what I wanted. And so by the time I got to fix and flip, I understood like this is a hard job. Fixing and flipping? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, you know, I do want residual income so that I could retire. So I started to like every fourth, every third or fourth deal, make it a rental property. Mm, okay. And I accumulated by at, before the market crash, I had accumulated like 17. Wow, rental properties. Rental properties. Yeah. Wow. So. so so by 2000, you started, when did you start buying for yourself? Like I started in about 2004. Mm. And And in three or four years, you had accumulated 17 rental properties? Yeah. And then the market crashed? Yeah. And then what? Yeah. So when the market crashed, um, a lot of those properties I ended up being upside down in. Um, The uh, rents didn't cover the mortgage. So a lot of those properties ended up foreclosing. Mm. Um, I had one property in particular, the bank did not foreclose, uh, which ended up being a blessing. Um, And that property went into the tax sale. So a person bought that property for $2,100. So let me, so they bought the property or they bought the taxes for $2,100. So they bought a tax deed for $2,100, which gave them interest in the property. Um, Not fully, immediately um, they end up buying a redeemable tax deed basically. Okay. And so that if I didn't pay, they would end up with the property. So they bought a tax deed, but who did they buy the tax deed from? They, okay. So when I became delinquent on my property taxes, both me and the mortgage company, the County sent us a notice saying, hey, either you or the mortgage company pay these taxes or we're going to put this property into the tax sale and we're going to get our money, right? And in order to do that, they have to put a tax lien on the property. Okay. They then sold that tax lien to an investor and what the investor received was a redeemable tax deed. So what's the difference between a tax lien and a tax deed? Exactly. So... The question I think you're asking is what's the difference between a tax lien certificate and a tax deed? Okay. A lot of people mix those two words up, tax lien and tax lien certificate. So that's a di- it's a difference between it's tax a- lien and tax lien certificate. Absolutely. Mm, okay. So a tax lien is what, just like any other lien that you know, just like a mortgage lien, a creditor lien, or any other lien, it's a lien that the county places on the property to 
solidify, you know, their claim on that property. Got you. Now, okay. how they sell it is either a tax deed or a tax lien, lien certificate. Like what the investor actually receives is a tax deed or a tax lien certificate. So the difference between those two is a tax lien certificate is not going to give you any property rights. It's just basically saying, hey, here's a receipt that you pay the delinquent taxes and you're going to receive interest if somebody comes to redeem this property. So some states, and I know we got to get into this, but I want to, I'm thinking about something now. Some states I hear are tax lien is it tax lien certificate states and then tax deed states? Mm -hmm. That's what it is. So it ain't just tax lien state because all of them are tax lien. Mm -hmm. It's tax lien certificate state or tax deed state. So again, what's the difference? You say tax lien certificate is you just know I bought the taxes. Right. And I can get my interest. Okay. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then a tax deed is actually where you purchase the property. Mm -hmm. And when you receive that deed, you own the property right out. Then you have a redeemable tax deed, which is a type of tax deed, gotcha. but it delays the ownership. So it says, hold up, we're going to give this owner how, whatever time is specified by that state. So let's say in Georgia, it's 365 years. I mean, 365 days. Like, <laughs> <laughs> days okay. that the owner can come back, pay that money plus an interest rate that's prescribed by state law, and then they would get the property back, and then you as the investor would get your money plus interest. Gotcha. So those are the three types of instruments. So let me, because I want to be clear. So there are some states where when I bid at the courthouse steps and I, I win, I get the deed right then. Yes. Like it's mine. Well, it's takes about 30 days you know how counties but, work yeah, but yes right. it's yours but, once you get that deed in hand but the owner <clears throat> at that point is not able to come back and redeem exactly okay then there's some states like georgia where you get the deed with a stipulation that you give them 365 days to repay you plus interest yes what happens during that 365 days in in a place like georgia a couple of things can happen. If the person comes back, they pay you your that money and interest, then everything just uh, falls back to normal. They get their property. Okay. You walk away with your investment and interest. Or if they don't pay, then you can start a legal process that stops their right to come back and get the property. And during that legal process, they can also come during that legal process. So during that time, if they come back then, they have to pay you an even higher interest rate. Mm. So in Georgia, it's 20%. But if they come back during that, while you're in that legal process, um, or even if it's just the next day, if it's day 366, they have to pay you 30%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it continues to go up. So, um but what if I start the legal process and let's say my attorney says it's $5,000. Mm -hmm. Who pays? The, do they have to pay me the, the interest plus the 5000 or just the interest? Just the interest. But if I started the process, do I have to let them come back and, and redeem? If yes. it's after that 365 days? Yes. So I really could lose money. You could. Nobody talks about that. You could. It happens all the time. You can lose it. 
So I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what a lot of people do to avoid losing money is they will bid the property up. Mm. Because the more you bid the property up, the more interest is going to be paid. And the less likely they're going to come back. Because exactly. they, they didn't have the 3000 they're not going to have the 50000 Exactly. Right. Okay. I so got it. So the closer to minimum bid that you get the property the, you it is a higher likelihood. And I'm not saying it is likely, but there's a higher likelihood that they could come back and redeem the property. Let's go back to 2008. Mm-hmm. I, I got a million questions about yes. the process. So you had let this property go. You wasn't paying the payment. Bank wasn't paying anything. Somebody went and bought, paid $2,100. Yes. Okay. Then what happened? Well, first of all, the property, I originally purchased the property for, um, it was worth 150 mm-hmm. I had a mortgage on it for 139 right? Market started to tank. It flipped upside down and went to $100,000 value. So now I owe 139000 on a $100,000 house, and the mortgage was an adjustable rate mortgage, so it's steadily climbing, yes. you know, 1% each time they adjust it. So the rent, let's say, the you know, the rent was 700 but now the mortgage is 1200 So I don't have the additional $500 with that property or the other 16 properties to pay. So I let it go, right? I thought so, you let it go. Right. <laughs> they didn't want to let me go. Uh, it was my blessing. Um, so the person went to the tax sale mm-hmm. and purchased that property for $2,100, right? Or the tax deed, the gotcha. redeemable tax deed for $2,100. So if I would not have redeemed that property, they would have owned that property for $2,100. So you had to give them $2,100 plus 20%. Yes. Basically $2,500. Yes. For a property that you originally owed $139,000. Right. Now, what happened? You gave them the $2,500, you bought it back, but the mortgage was still there. Yes. So for me, in that situation, because I was the homeowner and I redeemed it, everything got put back into its place. So you still still owed one hundred thirty nine thousand. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, what happened was there we go. That mortgage company went out of business. Hmm. So even though I still had the security deed on the property. For the hundred and thirty nine thousand, there's nobody to pay the mortgage to. Wow, you you teach this though, right? <laughs> yeah, you're teaching it right now. Yeah. Y'all do know you better get your notebook out because she is. <laughs> this is a million dollar worth of information that she's giving out. So, so mortgage company went out of business. You had redeemed your tax deed, so twenty five hundred dollars you paid mm-hmm. for a property that was. At that time, between a, worth one hundred and one hundred thirty nine, but that mortgage is gone, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. What if that mortgage company was still around, but they decided not to pay the taxes? What happens? Just- well, yeah, well, it was either on me or them to continue paying the taxes. Okay. So I knew from that point, I had to pay the taxes. Okay. Which was no problem because I didn't have a mortgage payment. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. So what if, because I've seen situations where 
if I went and bought it, like I was the person to pay twenty one hundred. You didn't pay me back my twenty five hundred, so I started this legal process on the other side. On the other side, right? Yes. I got because that was your property, so you were able to get it because that mortgage company went out of business. But if I bought it and that mortgage was still there, what do I do next? Am I able to void that mortgage out because I own this year's taxes? What about next year's taxes? Taxes. What happens kind of in that process? Okay, so the mortgage company is in the same position as the homeowner. Mm. So you have to, they have a right to redeem within the 365 days as well, which is a whole nother topic of discussion because there's a lot of people who invest in tax liens because they want the mortgage company to come back and get the interest. Correct. But anyway, so what would happen is if they didn't come back and redeem that same legal process, the foreclosure, you they're included in that process. So you would foreclose on the mortgage. Mm. It's the hard concept. And it's really not a hard concept. It's just hard to believe. People don't um, realize that mortgage companies get foreclosed on as well because the the tax, the county's lien is going to supersede their mortgage. It's a first position lien. so, So we got two sides of the table. As a homeowner, I can go redeem it, but the mortgage is still there. But if I'm the investor that's buying the tax liens, I can foreclose on the homeowner and the mortgage company. Yes. Or I'm almost guaranteed 20%. And this is just Georgia because other states I know have. So we're talking about Georgia because I I deal with, you know, different states. And so I know in most parts of Alabama, they have three years Mm -hmm. to come back. But Mm -hmm. you're getting interest during those three years Mm -hmm. and you can rent the property out. Mm -hmm. In Georgia, you can't, as a tax deed buyer, I'm not supposed to touch the property, correct? Correct. So what happens, this is where, as we're going, I know we're going back and forth between homeowner and investor. As an investor, what happens if homeowner moves out or the tenant's still in there? Who collects the rent? Who cuts the grass? Who pays this year's taxes as I'm waiting on that year? So um, legally speaking, you can't profit from that property in any kind of way that becomes criminal if you do in Georgia. So you can't collect the rent Mm. or anything like that. Um, In terms of, you know, who cuts the grass and all that, it's a really great area. The law says that you can't touch that property, but if you don't cut the grass, then you end up with code violations. Exactly. Which becomes other liens. And if you go into court with those code violations and you try to explain to the judge like, hey judge, I bought a tax lien. They're like, I don't care. I don't know anything about that. I don't care anything about that. All I care is is this grass needs to be cut. So you, as a business person, you have to decide like how you're going to handle that, you know. Um, That's scary because I was, so those are some of the cons of being the investor of it buying is. the tax deed. Cause I was in court um, not that long ago and, and the situation was they were attempting to tear the property down and none of the owners or the mortgage company showed up. But the person that bought the tax deed was there. Like, please don't tear it down. I'm starting this process to foreclose on it, but I can't go on the property. But the code enforcement want to give me a ticket because they know I now have an interest in the property. <laughs> And so the what is the in ring board gave them some time, 
which is which is only fair. This person is saying, please, I want to cut the grass, but I can't cut the grass because it's illegal for me to cut mm-hmm. the grass and board it up. But nobody else cares. Mm-hmm. So they gave them time. But a lot of people don't know that side of it. They think mm-hmm. I just p- pay this money. I get my 20 percent. But you have some responsibilities. So if I buy the tax deed, can I get insurance on the property? You can. There's an insurance company that will insure my interest in that property. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So there's so many questions around this. Well, Let me let's go back to this though. This this twenty five hundred dollars. So you pay the twenty five hundred. Mm-hmm. And I know y'all, this is it's a lot going on, but you pay the twenty five hundred. Now mortgage company goes out of business. Now you own that property free and clear for basically twenty five hundred dollars. Pretty much. So what did you do with it? I rented it out. With the same tenant that was paying seven hundred, you no, that tenant had left. You know, they they got the same notices that the bank was sending me. They mm. knew the property was going in foreclosure, so they eventually left. The property has sat for a year empty already. What kind of condition was it? In? It was not in good condition at all, <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I did a little. I mean, I didn't have much money, right? You know, I had to borrow the money to do the um, redemption. That's how a dire situation. I was left in mm-hmm. after the market crash. So I didn't even have that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I started cutting hair. I was a barber. So I was like saving up, you know. But anyway, so, um, yeah, I just put a coat of paint on it. And I rented out as as is condition. And I just lowered the rent because I didn't have a mortgage anyway. Yes. So I think that first time, I, I it was like $500 for a four-bedroom, you know, wow, just to. Good. Yes, just to start stacking some money. Now, it was. It was in livable condition, but it was, you know, it needed work. Yeah. You know, it needed updating and work. Have you sold that property yet? No. You still got it? Yes. That was 2008, nine. Yes. That's 14 years ago. Pro- it's in Ellenwood, right off River Road. You, I keep telling everybody <laughs> you got some money. <laughs> I got some property anyway. <laughs> some money coming in, y'all. Think about it. Y'all heard what she said, free and clear. Now she getting fifteen to $1,800 a month. Mm-hmm. All right, so now. Oh, no, that property get 2000 a month. <laughs> so I said four-bedroom. <laughs> so now you did this first one. What's next? So now I'm like, how can I repeat this over and over? Because when I was, you know, purchasing the rental properties with the mortgage, the goal was to pay those properties off as fast as I could so that I could live off of that income. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm like, okay, if I, you know, if I, you know, I got five two, I mean, 500 a month coming in from this one property. You know, how many more of these do I need to, you know, be able to live a lifestyle I want to? So I was like, how can I repeat this? And I started to really study tax liens and, um, you know, what I needed to do to get into tax liens. And since then, I haven't looked at too much else. (laughs) Why would you? Especially because you understand the business, the ins and outs. You have the right legal teams. You you have everything that you need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Do you only buy... In Georgia, no, I bought in other places. Um, but me personally, I've done um, joint ventures in other places. Right. But me personally, I've only um, bought in Georgia just because it's convenient. You know, like I don't have to travel, I don't have to go meet contractors or tenants. Mm-hmm. You know, all, my total portfolio was close to where I lived. Gotcha, gotcha. How is the business now? As far as the tax lien, tax deed in Georgia. 
um, it's still very, you know, viable. It's a little different from when I first got in because obviously I got in during a market crash. Mm-hmm. So the inventory was just overwhelming. Like when I would go to the tax sale, the big boys would get everything they want and it still would be hundreds of properties left over. And so you would gobble up those. Exactly. Just the ones nobody wanted. Nobody, the ones nobody would touch. It's the ones that I got like a tree and fell through the roof or you bought you know. one with a tree in it. Yes. My very first one that I bought on my own, it had a tree smack down the middle. Why would you buy that? It was $2,300. Was it a nice neighborhood? Very. Yeah. It was wow. like um, the ugliest house in a very nice neighborhood. So twenty $2,300. Mm-hmm. You had to wait a year. Mm-hmm. While you waited that year, that tree was sitting in the middle of the house, rain getting in. It, it, yes, for a short period of time. Because at that time, it took me a while to really understand all the laws, the things I could, should, and should not do. Okay. So I did take that tree. I took the tree off and put a tarp. Because the the it was just, it had caved in the roof. But it wasn't like, it didn't split the house. Got you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My vision just then was like. Right. <laughs> so I just, you know, had the tree taken off and, you know, put a tarp over it until I was able to, you know, because I didn't have any money to do much, even if I wanted to. So I had with that property, I had to go like little by little, even after the foreclosure, you know, it took me a minute to get that property. So that was property two. That was the first one you bought officially as a tax deed exactly. investor. So what, give me that. What happened with that one? I still have it. Still got that yeah, one? Yeah. I, I had, I turned it into a rooming house. Oh, so you it had really a big basement. Well, it's not a rooming house anymore. Actually, I am ashamed to say it's just sitting there. It's been sitting there for a year now. Well, that's the one you told me you wanted me to renovate a year ago. <laughs> See, that's when you know you got money. When they just sitting around, I got an extra two, three thousand. You still want to yeah, I do. I want to okay. have fun and renovate. You okay. know what? What we should do is we're going to record us renovating this house. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Okay. So it took time. How long did it take you to renovate the house once you got control of the property? Uh, first of all, it took me a couple years to get control because I didn't have the money to do the foreclosure process. About how much did that cost? About? Um, About $4,500. Total? Mm-hmm. Now or then? Uh, it's more like now. Okay. But I can't tell you what it was then. Gotcha. gotcha it was definitely you were cheaper. <laughs> but that was, you know, inflation and times yes, changed a little yes. bit. Yes. How long did it take you to find that person that could do that? Because did you do it yourself or did you have an attorney? Um, I had an attorney. Okay. Yeah. So what I did was I went back to the attorney that I found to do my redemption, which I found him on the courthouse steps. Mm. So he was actually a tax lien investor and I saw him doing different stuff on the tax lien on the courthouse steps. So I started asking him questions and he told me he was an attorney. So I got his information and then like a year later I hit him up and you know, so then he kind of got so busy cause he was both an attorney and a, investor that he referred me to another person and then I used that person to do the legal process. So now I know you retired two or three times in the past five years. Yeah. Right. 
I'm on a semi-retirement now. I'm on a hiatus I, for I, sure. I know. I know. I appreciate you coming <laughs> in, being on the being on the podcast. So, <clears throat> about seven eight years ago, after you had done quite a few of these, you decided to start teaching other folks. Yes. Right. What made you start teaching folks? Um, I had a lot of people asking me. I had first, I had a close friend, um, and she had created a CE school. Okay. She was a real estate agent. She was like, I want you to put that course in my school, right? So I started the process then, but never finished it. I had so many things going on. I had just had a baby, all of that. So I never finished the process. And then fast forward, um, uh, Stacy Rossetti, who started um, South Atlanta Rhea, she was like, I, I want you to teach this class. And I was like, yeah, just kind of like, yeah. Next thing I know, she had a poster, a flyer. She was promoting <laughs> it. And I'm like real big on my name integrity. So I was like, okay, I got to do it now. Yeah. So, you know, I took a little time and, you know, created the curriculum for that day. But then when I taught the course for the first time, just seeing the people light up and, you know, the questions they asked and, you know, just the information they felt they received. I was like, this is nice. And then they started contacting me like we want an advanced course, you know. So I was like, OK, this could be something. So that's kind of how I got started, not knowing all that it was going to entail, because mm -hmm. if I had known that, you done it. I don't think I would have done it. Yeah, because yeah. it was a lot putting together educational courses and continue to do it over and over and over. So it wasn't called what it's called now, right? When did you officially say, I'm going out, we're going to have this course, we're going to do this boot camp? When, how many years ago was that? That was in 2017. So over the past five and a half, six years, right. you've taught thousands and thousands of people virtually and in person. Yes. What does that look like now? When is when it when like how often do you have these courses? Um, so we have a monthly course, which is our free introductory course. That's okay. once a month. Um, Where do I find out about that? Um, well, you can go to our website, taxleanbootcamp.com. Oh, um, wow. We're everywhere on social media. Um, social media, I believe we're still GA Tax Lean Bootcamp. But we went from GA Tax Lean Bootcamp to Tax Lean Bootcamp because we started just teaching in Georgia. Mm -hmm. But then we had other people reaching out to us like, what about Florida? What about Michigan? Yes. What about Texas? So as I started to either invest in those places or have students in those places, you know, we started to do the research and say, Hey, this is how you can, because the curriculum itself is the foundation. You can take it anywhere. Like once you know, tax lien certificate, tax deed, redeemable deed, you pretty much have the foundation. And then from there for each state, we show you how to figure out that state. So that's how we switched our name. So now you have a monthly free course where yes. you, you, you take, Take us through some of the basics. Yes. Then what's after that? What, so what from there, people can decide to take our advanced course. We have a two-day fast track course. In person uh, or virtual? Right now, both. Okay. <laughs> right now, both. But we're moving everything towards virtual. Okay. Um, and then just having a special time to do the in-person stuff. So you can take the two-day course either in person or virtually. Mm -hmm. 
or we have a four-day course, which is the same curriculum as the two-day course. But in addition to those two days, we also take you on a bus tour to show you how to do the due diligence for tax liens. And then we take you to a tax sale the fourth day. So, so you can actually buy property. You can actually buy properties. Yeah. A lot of our students, while they're still in class, leave with tax lien properties. So. Wow. Yes. When is the next one? Or how often do you have the four-day? Because that's what I, I want, the four-day. I want right. to be able to ride the bus, hang out, go bid on some stuff. Yeah. That's, to me, that's the that's the best value, you know. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but we do have students who do the two-day, and they still come yeah, out on top. Exactly. Of course. Yes. I mean, even the, the free course, people yes. come out on top. Yes. But I, the four day, you're right there with me while I'm bidding. Yes. Wow. So our next um, four day is um, actually in two weeks. So um, March 10th, 11th, 12th, and then the following first Tuesday in April. Wow. And then after that, how often do you have them? Um, actually we don't have any more schedule because we're trying to move everything virtually and then figure out the dates where we would, you know, take our virtual people on those extra two days. But, um, if we do another one, probably be like around October because we're only doing two this year. I got, I got something in my mind. We're going to talk about okay. it. <laughs> Cause so, you know, <clears throat> people will be watching this and it'll be after March. Okay. Right. But they understand that every month we do have the free one. Yes. And during that free one, you'll be able to get upcoming dates. Yes. Which is good. And Definitely. they're going to have your contact yes. as well. So, and they better, it's better for them to come there and get that information because I'm not really active in that business. So I may be saying the wrong information. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the educational dates. Active, like I have a, People who run that business. Correct. So the dates may not be, you know, they may have planned <laughs> something. You know what I'm saying? Because I really am on hiatus right now. Like, I don't even check in that often with the business. So Here's the beautiful thing. And, and I because I know you, you have retired from everything because you were, you used the tax lien, tax deed business to build wealth with rental properties, uh, not just your education, because let me say this. She doesn't just Please sell the education. Say that. Please. She really does this. We I know that you own quite a few <laughs> rental properties that are free and clear. Y'all think I'm joking about the eight million three hundred thirty-three dollars and fourteen cents a month, but she owns an amazing portfolio. And that's why, you know, I'm blessed to have you on the podcast. And people that are watching this. Gotta follow you, follow the movement, follow Georgia Tax Lean. Cause you may not, like you say, you're on hiatus. So, you know, I, had I, don't, I don't know if I want to come back. Guess what? You've built an empire and you've built a business. And that's the way it should be. As we're building yeah. businesses, we should be able to put the people. You have an amazing team. Yeah. Like I even had to email somebody else. <laughs> right. So I felt some kind of way at first, but I was like, you know what? This is the way it's supposed to be. Stop telling right? that story. Remote. You know, you got my phone number. But anyway, yeah, most people do have to email operations. <laughs> Hey, it works because that's building a business. So let me tax lien, tax deed, no matter where I am, your program can help me. Yes. What if I don't want to take your program and I I got $2 million sitting around, $100,000, it's a group of us, and we want the short fast. Would you come to my city? No. No? Mm -mm. Are you serious? I'm serious. I can't pay you enough to come to the city? No. What about 
operations. Will they come to the city? Um, you have to check with them. I don't know. <laughs> so truly, we, we don't have a one-on-one or anything outside of our process set up. Um, I've tried that, but it's not something that I enjoy. I enjoy okay. group teaching. I got you. I don't enjoy one-on-one teaching. I, so I, I just decide not to do it. I truly understand. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I find people learn better in groups. Because you get the energy. Yes. You get to hear questions. Things that I would have on my mind and maybe <clears throat> in a one-on-one I'm afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. Or you bouncing stuff off of mm-hmm. each other. So it is. Yeah. A, and they make the commitment when they do group learning because it's days. And when they do one-on-one, the commitment to me is just not there. You know, they got other stuff going on, answering their phones. The whole nine. Yes. Call, Want to call you at all times. No, yes. no, that don't so work no more. I just, you know, I like my life peaceful. And you should, you work, you work very hard. And, mm-hmm. and so, Boot camp coming up in a couple weeks. So if you're watching this now, are we sold out? Can you get one or two people in? Maybe? Oh yeah, definitely. Because we got we have in person and, and virtual. virtual. Okay. So either way, get in. Yeah. But but then in when the next live auction is, I, I can come in. Even if I buy, if I'm virtual, I can still come to that. Yes, we have a hybrid too. So you can take the class at home, and you can come in person for the other two days for so. the bus and the. So let's talk about the bus right quick. Okay. That's Why are you taking us day. out on the, you know I love it, right? <laughs> Why are you taking me out on the bus? <clears throat> well, because tax lien due, di- first of all, real estate due diligence is tactile. You got to, you, you, in order to learn it, you have to do it. Yes. You can you can read a thousand books, but until you get out there, you're just not going to fully understand. So, and then when you add tax lien due diligence, it's kind of even more, um, it's a little bit harder to me because you can't get into the property. So now you got to learn how to, you know, um, bulk estimate based on the conditions that you see on the outside. And you teach that during yeah. the one day, two day, or four day? The four day. Four day. So that's when we go out that day that we spend in the field. You're teaching us how to estimate repairs basically from... Because you, right, you you can't get in most of the time. Exactly. So you're teaching us how to, in our car, drive by, take pictures, and look at things and put those repairs together so we can know what we buy. Yes. What else do you teach us on that day in the field? Um, We, you know, teach you what to look for. We teach you how to bid. Because um, we found that, you know, even though people have all this information, they get to the courthouse steps and don't bid. And we like, what's wrong? Don't bid at all? And it's Exactly. <laughs> But, you know, you got it's, it's a it's lot like, going on. It out there is. It, it's very intimidating. And so if you haven't had that practice, if you don't already know what's going on, if you don't feel prepared, then you won't bid. So we teach them how to do all that. We we take them to the courthouse to say, hey, this is where you come to bid. This is where you go to pay. You know, so they know all that and they feel more comfortable. This is how you register or don't register. You know, so are um, are we going this next anybody going this next Tuesday? Who's the first? To the tax sale? Mm-hmm. Um, well, somebody on my team is always going. I don't me. <laughs> You're not even going to be in this, this country. So. I won't even be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful yes. thing, though, to enjoy your life because a lot of us work really, really hard and forget to enjoy. And I'm guilty of it. Yes. You know, we 
just talked about it over the past couple of years. Yes. You know, I just have worked and yes. just not go see the light blue waters and you the, have to and the snails that crawl up the tree that jump off with a parachute. You know, but all maybe the fun you stuff. don't enjoy that as much as I do. So you would you love this hustle. I do, but I do want to see like the little snail that jump off mm-hmm. the, the the tree with the parachute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looking at snails. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me ask you this. You teach us how to estimate repairs. You encourage us to be it, register be it. What is, give me a bad story where somebody bid it, they won, they was excited, and maybe they bid it wrong, maybe it was too much, maybe it was, like, do people bid on the right properties? We see that all the time. Like, when I prepare my students to go to auction, I'm like, be prepared. Mm -hmm. You're going to see people bidding on properties that you have done the research on and you know you should not be. It's, It's some lot in the back of somebody's house or you know, it's a lot that's surrounded by properties on all sides that you're not going to be able to step foot on. You're going to see people bidding on these properties, so don't don't be alarmed. And every time we go to auction, it never fails. Now, I used to try to be like, don't bid on that. or, But people, you know, people are a trip. They get upset, like, I know what I'm doing. or. You so know. you've seen people buy landlocked properties, Buy properties that they thought it was the one on the left, but it was really the one on the right. Overbidding after you taught them. So, one, you still got to listen to the basic principles. Mm-hmm. But you see them while you're standing there of, again, while they've been through the class, make mistakes. Oh, no, we don't see our students do this. Oh, you just seeing other folks? Yes, because if I see my student do that... I'm snatching them up. Like, oh, you were saying no. you should tell other people that's not even in your class, like, hey, hey, hey. Yes. Oh, no, they got to take the class. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is before I was teaching or if it was a dire situation, you know, like I might see an old lady, you know, and be like, don't spend all your money that way, you know, like that. But no, none of my students, I'm not going to let my students do that. We go, we going to be out there fighting. Together. Yes. No, I had one student, she was like, hey, you know, I know this property is like a property you would tell me normally not to buy, but these are my reasons for wanting to buy okay. it. So we had an understanding. I'm like, okay, as long as you know, okay, no problem. Something go wrong with this property. Don't yeah. tell people you learned this at tax <laughs> boot camp. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I could deal with that. But just people who, be, so I've had students who bid and they just didn't listen in class. I had to snatch them up like, Stop it. You know. So, yeah, I've had that happen. Yeah, you, you've put some on my mind again. You always do, but, you know, building wealth in this business takes time. You got to be patient. You know what I mean? Like, some people don't want to wait a year and a day. Like, and I tell people, this project may take you a year. They're like, no, nah, man, such and such made 600000 in two weeks. And I'm like, okay, you go over there. You know what I mean? I hear a lot about tax deeds and tax liens, and I hear both sides of the story. I when I first started as a bird dog, I was bird dogging for a dude, and we didn't even understand what he was doing until later. Mm-hmm. I was nineteen. He would give us a list of addresses to go knock on the door, and basically make sure somebody's in there, and they would quit claiming to him, right? So he didn't have to go through that process. Mm-hmm. I was also in the era where they first start kind of selling the tax deed. So late nineties, you had like mm-hmm. the Lehman Brothers kind of came in with big funds mm-hmm. buying up before in the county. So I learned a lot about it, but I never invested in it because I saw both sides, the mm-hmm. good and the bad, until 
your your programs until mm-hmm. I start because I believe in you and I trusted you. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, what do we do next? How can we find you? Where do we find you? Well, like I said, you can find my company. <laughs> <laughs> can't find her. <laughs> Tax Lean Bootcamp. <laughs> We're everywhere. GA Tax Lean Bootcamp, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Think we have a TikTok now, so I can only imagine yeah. what the TikTok looks like. Does your operations manager handle the TikTok account? We have a social media manager. Okay. Yeah. So we have a social media manager who does all of that. Um, I, you know, in the early days, I was involved heavily in that, but now I think they just take the video footage <laughs> and put it out. <laughs> you put know. It out there. So yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So that's how you can get in contact with me. Chantel, what does delayed gratification mean to you? Delayed gratification. I would say it's when you are able to um, um, put off receiving results now for greater results later. Mm. Um, You know, like to me, a perfect example of that would be um, tax liens, you know, a lot of people say, Hey, I don't want to wait a year, you know, but if you wait the year, the, the return, the, inv- the return on your investment is greater than if right you did now. something with the property right now. So, and you can apply that to all areas in life. So gotta be patient. Yeah. Gotta wait. Yes. Thank you. Chantel, thank you for being on delayed gratification podcast. I really enjoyed you being here. Y'all listen. If you're looking to really build wealth with real estate, this is probably, and y'all know I'm a fix and flip, buy and hold guy, and you can get there, but this is probably the number one way to acquire properties when you do it the right way. And the way to learn it the right way, listen, Georgia Tax Lean Bootcamp, Miss Chantel Owens, thank y'all for watching another episode of the Delayed Gratification Podcast. I'll see y'all on the next episode. I love y'all.